Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Pete Calderon. Again, you may remember his origin story. We're going to dig a little deeper. What makes this possible are sponsors, of which Heritage is an important one. Also, Huggins & Scott, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, and ComC, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Again, all entities that Pete is pretty familiar with. So, Pete, welcome to the show. We Thank you, Dr. Beckett. A little taste, and we want a little bit more. And uh, when, where we left off, we were talking a little bit about to, not to grade or not to grade, but the ability of someone who's been in the hobby for a while to be able to either pre-grade or have a sense of what the grading would be. And how did you get that? Did you get that just from handling a lot of cards or submitting a lot of cards? Because I don't think you, I don't think you worked for a grading company. I think Derek used to work for SGC, right? Yeah, Derek was the head grader at SGC. No, I never worked for a grading company, but I was always from an early age fascinated with cards. And like any other skill, it's about experience. I can definitely say I've handled more cards than most people have. And if, if you take it very casually, you get nothing out of it. But every opportunity I, I looked at, I, or every collection, I should say, I look as a learning opportunity. When someone gives me a 52 collection and they've got high numbers, I want to know where they lived. Where, where did the high numbers reach? Um, if they have tobacco cards, I always check the backs. I like knowing that, oh, Grandpa smoked Piedmont. So things like that fascinate me. It, it keeps me interested. So it's, it's not just about taking a card and looking at it and judging its condition. It's, it's about learning about them. And that's what I've always done. Um, I've learned so much just by eavesdropping on conversation at shows. Um, little things, to, after a while, you, you learn certain sets have certain condition characteristics. And you pick up on that so you, you know what, what to look for. And it's really just about experience. Okay. Now, here's my tricky question for you. And I'm going to okay. let you answer it instead of me because I perhaps am biased. But when y'all get a collection in from a Heritage and it's from a, maybe a longtime collector and it's not graded, you have the decision, uh, I suppose on a card-by-card -card basis, but you have the decision to make what's in the best interest of the consigner. Correct. Y'all do a great job. And uh, admittedly, one of the sponsors is uh, Beckett Grading. But tell me one positive thing about each of the three grading companies that you would consider. BGS has certain something where you, here's a positive. PSA, here's a positive. Uh, SGC, here's a positive. Because you have to make that choice. Perhaps it's in conjunction with the consigner, but each of the companies have their own fans and following. And Correct. so how do you make that call? And it's okay for you to be biased because, like I said, I'm biased. <laughs> but what are you looking for? And again, not, what, not any negatives, just what are the positives of each one of those that would uh, cause you to consider them in a certain situation? What Part of my job also is to follow the market. Now, though some people may not like this, uh, my consideration is getting the most money for someone's collection. Someone may consider that mercenary, but the truth is when you're selling your collection, that's your goal. So as far as grading, the vintage market, SGC has a, a, a large part of that market. The cards sell extremely well. Anything from the 30s or older, 99 times out of 100, we're going to go with SGC. They do the best job of that. Their, their, their grading of those sets is consistent, but, you know, which is you know, not easy. You know, from card to card, yes. From year to year, it's not always easy. PSA, well, well, before we get leave SGC, Derek was the key guy there. And he's with the Heritage now. Does did, did Derek leave a legacy in the sense that because he was really outstanding? Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that over twenty years, you're saying SGC has really maintained a real strength in those uh, pre-war cards. Yes, and what's nice is that even after Derek left, uh, Scott Heilman took a, was their head grader, and he's done a great job in continuing that legacy. Okay. Um, there's been no drop in quality. There's been no drop in consistency. Um, they're still definitely a company that, that you can trust and feel confident in sending your cards to. Okay, PSA. Positive about PSA. You mentioned 52 tops high numbers. In spite of my bias, I'd probably have to admit that uh, PSA would be the greater of choice for P for 52 high numbers. 
That's very true. And that's what PSA, what's the best thing about PSA. They are the the gorilla in the room. Their best positive, at least from my perspective, is the fact that they have the deepest customer base. So there's going to be the greatest number of people potentially bidding on a card in a PSA holder. And that is something that I have to take into consideration. And that is their advantage. They have a far reach um, in every aspect of, of different types of cards, baseball, football, non-sports, and they have the largest number of consigners. Their set registry is was just a genius move because they really got collectors involved. They got collectors competing against each other and they are the, the mover and the shaker in the hobby. Uh, I can't, can't take that away from them. They do a great job like everybody else. They're going to make mistakes here and there. And there's some people that enjoy flaunting that. It's going to happen. They, this is still overall, they deliver a great product. They've developed over the times in terms of you know developing a more secure holder, which infor- which is you know unfortunate that you have to consider these days. They they are the the you know the biggest ones in the hobby, and some consigners are even if they're not collectors, they've heard of PSA, so they ask for PSA to grade their collections. But for for the for the most part, each company does have its niche, and PSA is a it's, they can cater to everybody: autographs, tickets, packs, cards. So that's certainly something you have to recognize and appreciate. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, that's actually more than one positive, but uh, <laughs> uh, and what would be bigger or better than a gorilla? Let's see. Uh, so, uh, what, uh, what's your take on BGS? BGS certainly has a lot of strength in the newer cards and some of these glamour cards that have reached outrageous prices, have a Beckett holder. So what, what do you see the positive for BGS? It's actually, that is definitely the positive with BGS is the modern card market. They are, they are driving that market, putting the subgrades on the holders, I think was a great idea because I think collectors love that. And when you, and when you do things like that, you know, it just adds to the competitive nature of a collector. Whereas two cards graded nine, what, one may have a better subgrade or another. And in that modern card market is where they're really strong. Um, they've got a huge clientele for, for, for those products. Some of the biggest cards have sold recently, obviously, are Beckett holders. The modern card market is definitely where, where they found their niche. Okay. Now, the second part of the question is, what piece of advice would you give SGC, PSA, or BGS in how they might improve their standing? Again, not to pick on a big negative or anything, but just what advice would, from a, because you're in the business of optimizing the value of somebody's collection. And so if somebody says, so what would you tell PSA how they could improve with respect to SGC and pre-war or BGS, or how could BGS better compete with SGC? Or So what do you see? that one of they're not doing, I'm not necessarily a weakness, but is there any way that in five years, there's going to be less difference than there is? Are they going to get more similar? Because like you say, SGC has been known for 20 years, more than 20 years to be really strong in that area. Yeah, that's a really tough question. I, if I would suggest anything to SGC, I would like to see them maybe develop a little more secure holder in these, time, in, in these current times. Okay. And I think it would be important for them to develop a, a, a registry. Maybe not one where it pits high-grade collections against each other, but just something where collectors can brag about what they have. They don't have to be all 96s and 88s. Somebody with a T206 set that's 20 graded 20, 30, 40. And just something you know to get the collectors involved with each other and something you create a connection, create communication. And again, you know, the benefit for them is people you know, buying and using their services. PSA, what advice would you give them in order to, for them to garner more of the, of the market? Charge auction houses less for grading. No. I love Just that. Kidding. I love that. Well, do y'all get a do you get a better deal or just a quantity deal? Because or a better turnaround. I mean, surely you don't you're not treated worse than an expert. No, we do get a discount on price. Um, sometimes though there is a, a giveaway and turnaround time. So we do get a little discount price, but they've been, you know, growing so much like for high-end items, we actually don't get a discounted price. So yes, we we do for, for some pieces, we do get a, a discount. Sometimes there may be a time frame turnaround uh, you know, that, that we sacrifice a little bit. 
So PSA, if you're listening, give Heritage uh, a break. <laughs> uh, BGS, what, what do you, uh, how could BGS get more of your business? Or what, what are they doing wrong? Or what, what could they do better? How could they expand their market share? I don't know if Beckett is actually doing anything wrong. I think it's tough. I think it's tough for them to get into the vintage market because SGC and PSA have already been there for so long. And anytime you're trying to get into a new market, it, it, it's always tough. As a set collector, maybe I shy away from Beckett a little bit because they're holders, which are incredibly secure, which you need in this market. But if you're collecting this 500 card set, 500 of those Beckett holders, that's a huge amount of space and, and, and weight, which can be consideration for, for some collectors. But I, I think they're doing a great job with, with the with modern market and they're only going to expand there. The vintage market, I think it really is just a matter of continuing to slowly get into that niche. Maybe if they got like a, a famous collector or a famous collection in their holders, I think that goes a long way in terms of letting people, exactly, yeah, getting people involved. Oh, this person put their cards in this holder. And I think that it influences a lot of other collectors. So you think the Dr. James Beckett collection would increase the value by 1%? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's a shame that I run into card collectors don't like pedigrees. Yeah. And I think okay. that's a shame. I, I think people I should know who the Lionel Carters were, who the Beckett collection is, the uh, Frank Nagy collection. I think collectors should know these names and know, know, know these people. I, I, I totally agree, especially for the guys that are deceased. I'm very much alive. Okay, moving away from that into another thing that is the, 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 the news of 2020 has been the expansion of pretty much every major auction house, including y'all, toward modern cards, really modern this year and last year's cards. And that yes. was something five years ago. So in Heritage, are you, who are the consummate vintage expert, being asked to expand into that? Are they bringing in people for that? Because it seems like every auction house really needs to get up to speed on these latest and greatest instant classic seven-figure cards. So yes, and we have Heritage does both. Um, okay. I personally, I've been getting into the, expanding my knowledge base into the modern cards. Uh, that's been happening a lot. I do have contacts that I can you know talk to if I need some information. We do have a, a person here, Andy Saldana. He knows modern cards very well. We do have people that we, we re-out to. We are looking for somebody to add to the staff who has a, a modern card knowledge. But yes, it definitely is a driving force right now because modern cards is you know the strongest part of the segment of the market right now. Do you think that's going to continue? Uh, I, I think it will continue. I think the vintage cards continues because people are going to start with modern cards more. I think the people like me who were introduced to modern cards, first of all, are, 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 is, that's going to go away. Uh, I think the introduction is going to be modern cards. Um, collecting has obviously changed, but it's certainly going to continue and it's going to grow. And then what, once people, you know, once collectors see have their modern card collections and they still want to collect, that's when you get introduced to the older cards. So there's always going to be a market for, for everything. Um, well, I hope there is. I mean, basically one of the you know, issues that I continue to mention is that when somebody's, again, we're not random sample here, but when you see a card and it seems overpriced, you know to look for something else. You don't have to have it. But the mentality for a lot of the newer collectors is I have to have this one card and there's a lot of focused demand and there's not a sense of if I don't get this one, then I'll get this other one. Whereas with vintage cards, and they don't even look at vintage, they don't even look at that category. It's I'm only interested in basketball superstars that are active right now. And if that's the case, that can be limiting. If you say, I want to look at basketball superstars across the, the time span, then all of a sudden some of those vintage basketball players can look pretty cheap. And especially for baseball, which is the most prospect-oriented, paying big bucks for something, somebody that hadn't really done it, uh, at least hadn't done it for more than a, than a September call-up or, or, or one year. Yeah, because collecting has changed so much, is like you said, right now, people, collectors today, they're not putting together large collections like collectors did. In the past, collectors wanted everything that came out. Everything they collected, everything that that because the you know prices and the way the markets changed, collecting is so much more focused. 
So yeah, you do have the guys concentrating on either a player or a team. And now the, the limited edition where you know exactly how many cards are out there. So with a vintage card, if it's overpriced, I can, I can say, all right, I'll wait for the next one. With a modern card, when it's one of five, when or if are you going to see another one? So, and I think that's one of the things that obviously drives the prices as, as much as it has because availability has changed. When packs are 10 20 $30 a piece or up to you know 1500 a piece, no one's going to collect a, a complete set of 800 cards. No one's going to you know, buy all the variations and things like that. It's just economically not feasible. So as kids, you know, kids today aren't going to have that thrill of opening a pack when they get their allowance every other week or whatever. It, it really is more focused and more, more adult marketed. So you're going to have... You're going to have ups and downs, obviously. I don't know. At the there will the question that people always ask me is, is there a market for this? The answer to that question is always yes. Where it changes is, what are your expectations? If a card sells for $50,000 today, five years from now, what is it going to sell for? People are going to say, is there still a market for this card? Oh, of course there is. No, it might not sell for $50,000 again. So that's where the real question is. There will always be a market. It's just a matter about people's expectations and what a current card is selling for. Or I say what a card is currently selling for. Uh, we're probably on the same page here, Pete, but uh, we're maybe not on the same page as everybody about that, but uh, to each their own. I don't know. Right. Oh, absolutely. So it's all collecting, you know? Okay. So here's the hypothetical scenario. You get uh, two phone calls uh, of collections that want to use heritage. The one is a person, and I'm, let's say they're the same age and they're in their forties, let's say, and we're not going to say how they got the cards, but one phone call is I have a hundred thousand dollar collection and you, they don't give you any information. Okay. And the other one is a phone call that says, I have a $5 million collection. Okay. Now the trick question is, which one of those, the $100,000 or the $5 million, which one do you think has more cards? I would certainly hope the $5 million collection would have more cards. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> the, the, the scary, the scary thing is the answer right is not now. as cut and dried. That's what's um, happening now. Obviously, and, and that is what's happening. Obviously, the first question I would ask is what, what kind of cards do you have? But yeah, whereas normally that question would be an easy one in, in this market with the way cards, certain cards are selling, you don't know anymore. There are some guys that you know have 100,000 cards and they want they bought 100,000 $1 cards. And then you have somebody else who has a $5 million collection, which could be two or three cards. So it really is a reflection of the market, that, that question, because what should be cut and dry really isn't anymore. I, I think it's flipped. I think it's yeah, flipped. It has. A lot of money are not looking for quantity. They're looking for quality. Right, yeah. Yes. It up, and it makes them your future <laughs> and current customers. Thanks, Pete Calderon. As we said, you got cards from your grandfather. My grandfather actually held on to my dad's cards, and I actually got my dad's cards from my grandfather and grandmothers. So that's a positive note to end on. Enjoyed our conversation, Pete. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having heritage. me. Keep up the great work. And uh, uh, listeners, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.